I told you, we, we did a review because some of you weren't here every week. And uh, last week we went out on downtown streets of Palestine and a uh, lady comes running across the street with her cell phone. She goes, wait, 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 I've got to get a picture of that. And, and I said, okay. And so I'm standing there, you know, it's pretty uncomfortable being there anyway. And I'm standing there and she goes, wait, wait a minute, I've got to delete some of my grandchildren so that I can get you on there. She said, nobody will ever believe that we're here. I feel like, uh, anyway. She said, uh, what are you doing? I said, well, we're filming for our church. And she goes, what church do you go to? I said, I really don't want to tell you. Um, and actually, I didn't. I, I didn't realize that until later. Someone just pointed out to me today, you never did tell her where we went to church. I said, there was a reason for that. Um, that, that rascally credit fairy. Now, if a credit fairy actually showed up at your house and looked like that, would you trust anything that came out of their mouths? No, the credit fairy, un, unfortunately, does not um, look like that. Uh, and uh, you'd think people would realize it. You'd think people would have a clue that, that, that the borrower becomes the lender's slave. That's, that's from Scripture. And so what we're doing today is we're wrapping up this, this series we call Lost, and, and we're just, we're talking about how it's, it's easy to get lost in any area of life. It's easy to get lost relationally. It's easily, easy to get lost vocationally, you know, in your job. And, and ten years later you say, I'm in this job. This is not what I had my hopes and dreams, uh, planned on, you know, for the future. And, and, uh, then, then you have, um, uh, people all the time. Excuse me. Hello? What? No, no way. We, okay, okay. Um, uh, we, we have a guest here today, and um, I, I just found out that the credit fairy is on the property. You just thought it was me. And uh, y'all, bring, it, bring him on in. We're going we're gonna to interview um, the credit fairy today and, and his special guest. Yeah, you gotta go upstairs, dude. Oh, it came off. Oh, thank goodness. Oh. Um, let me let me come over here and and the credit fairy has lost weight um, and gained facial hair. So, uh, have you got anything to say to us today, credit fairy? Um, are are you responsible for this condition that this man is in? No. Um. How, how did we get you to come to our house? Okay, okay, okay. He's evidently shy in front of people. Let's let's talk to uh, our credit fairy following, loving Wes. So, uh, how how are you feeling today? Burdened. Burdened. Um, what 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 are these chains all about? This is my happiness. I bought all this. Your chains represent your happiness, and you bought all this. So, how's that working for you today? It's not good. Not good. So, so what would you tell people who want to follow the credit fairy? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's heavy. It's, it's heavy. Heavy. I didn't know it was going to be heavy. <laughs> okay, why, why don't you go on? We're done with you. Oh, you need the key, don't you? Ha <laughs> ha. Because you really are locked up there. Let's see. Try try that one. Credit fairy? No, credit fairy is not going to help you.
Actually, that's the wrong one. I did that on purpose. This is Oops. This one right here. I did that on purpose. That, yeah, you did that on purpose. Thank you. Nothing but love from my next door neighbor. Here are yeah. your keys, good sir. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I might need those too. Oh, A little higher and that would have got me because I didn't see them. Uh, thank you. Everybody give uh, Wes and the, the new credit fairy a hand. Believe it or not, we had a hard time finding someone to be the credit fairy in front of you today. And I said, come on. I did it in public. At least you're only doing it inside the building. Now, let me, let me remind you how we got into this whole series to begin with. Um, we said it's easy to get lost, and, and we were talking specifically about it's easy to get lost financially. And when we started looking at the Bible, what Jesus had to say about money, we discovered that Jesus had more to say about money than He did heaven, hell, faith, or salvation combined. And if nothing else, if you just looked at the sheer volume, the sheer number of verses that Jesus addressed towards money, that would seem to, to make me think that money was a big deal and we should pay attention to it. But it's not just the volume of what He said, it is what He said that we need to pay attention to. So if you go back to... Um, uh, three weeks ago, we learned some pretty surprising things as we looked at the words of Jesus. Week one, we learned that you cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ and stay lost financially. And we said that, that how we know that is Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, that your heart will be where your treasure is. Jesus said, if you want to find out um, where somebody's heart is, you follow the money trail. And so the second thing we learned in that first week is that the number one competition for your heart is money. Jesus said, follow the money trail. Because you think about it, if you buy a new car, where does your money go? To the new car. Where does your attention go? To the new car. Where does your emotions go? To the new car. If you don't believe that, get that new car scratched. What does that do to your emotions? If your children do something to that new car, like, God forbid, they should erp in it, or they should, you know, make any type of bodily noise in it, you are thinking, oh, you're hurting my car. Your emotions are attached to whatever you have bought. So wherever the money trail goes, that's where your emotions go. And Jesus said, He didn't want your money. Jesus never asked for your money. Jesus asked for your heart. And we discovered that the number one competition for our hearts is money. Now, week two, we examined a, a parable that Jesus told that has a twist in it. For years, I struggled with this parable because it was about a dishonest money manager. And nobody here wants to have a dishonest money manager. We're reading about dishonest money managers all throughout the United States right now. And, and Jesus, at the end of the story, he commends the dishonest money manager. And we're scratching our heads saying, what in the world is he talking about? He's not commending dishonesty. Never did he commend dishonesty. He's commending the fact that this guy was shrewd. And he used what you and I have. This guy had a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. Every one of us has a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. And we discovered that the twist in the story was Jesus said people of this world who do not follow God, do not believe in Jesus Christ, do not have faith in anything other than themselves are wiser with money than the people who follow God. People who don't believe in heaven and life after death are wiser with their money than the people who follow God. And Jesus said that shouldn't be. You need to be wise with your money. And so what we discovered was Jesus wanted us to use our little bit of time and our little bit of opportunity to make a difference for eternity. So we said we need to start looking around at our stuff and say, what do I have? What temporary stuff do I have that I can exchange for eternal stuff? Because in the parable, Jesus says that you will someday, if you're a follower of Christ and you use your temporary to make a difference for the eternal, you will be walking the streets of heaven and someone will come up to you and say, I'm here because you took your temporary and you exchanged it for the eternal. 
That's where we went in, in week two. So week three, we said that uh, discontentment is an appetite. And any appetite is never fully or finally satisfied. And then we discovered that any appetite that you feed grows. And we talked about sharks and we said, if you feed a shark, does that make him fully and finally satisfied for the rest of his life? If you're in the water and you sacrifice an arm to a shark, is he going to be okay with that for the rest of his life and your life? No, he's coming back for more. So any appetite that you feed grows. If you feed discontentment, it's going to grow. So we said, what are we going to do about this? If, if, we, if we have this discontent nature, what in the world can we do to combat it? And the answer is generosity. Whichever appetite you feed grows. If you want to defeat discontent, then generosity is what does that. So we said that how people get lost is they follow a bad roadmap. What we want to do is we want to get on God's roadmap. And you will never, ever get lost financially if you use God's roadmap. So today that's what I want to do is I want to challenge you. Today we're going to be very practical. There's some decisions that I'm going to challenge you to make today. Don't put it off. You've got the head knowledge. Most people that go to church know at least 95% more than what they are obeying. And all the time we hear people say, oh, I need more Bible study. I need more of this. I need more of this. No, you don't. You need to get off your butt and do what you already know to do. So what we're going to do today is we're going to challenge you to take the head knowledge and put it into practice by making some decisions. And nothing ever happens until you make a decision. I have not made the decision to get in shape. You can see that in my little tutu and things. I have not made that decision. But if I ever make a decision, then I put it on the calendar and I do something. You don't ever go on a vacation until you put it on the calendar and say, here's what's going to happen. We're going to make plans. We're going to go on this date. So you've got to make the decisions first. Now, here's where I want to go with this. I want you to look at this, this verse, and this is actually your memory verse card. Proverbs 28, 26 says, He who trusts in himself is a what? Fool. Is that, is that something you want said about you? You may want to say that about others, but is that what you want said about you? He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. We spent most of the month of August talking about the best question ever, which is what is the wise thing to do? And we said, if you will look at your life and you'll say, considering my past, whatever you've gone through, whether that's drugs or alcohol or divorce, or you keep having the same messed up relationships over and over, whatever your past is, what is the wise thing for you to do in that area of life? Whether it's finances or relationships or job, what is the wise thing to do considering your past? But we also also said looking at your present situation, what is the wise thing to do? The present conditions of your life. What is the wise thing for you to do going forward? Then we said where I want to be five, ten years from now, what is the wise thing for me to do? And, and several people said, I'm going to start asking the best question ever. I'm going to do that. But then you got to do what the wise question shows you to do. And this verse is saying, if you will be wise... God will provide for your future. God's not obligated to save you from stupid decisions. God doesn't come in and, and super in, uh, impose His will on your life just because you and I are stupid. God says we're wise when we start stop trusting in ourselves and we start trusting in Him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, challenge you today. If you are lost financially, I'm going to challenge you to make these decisions. Whenever you follow the bad roadmap, you end up lost. When you follow God's roadmap, you end up um, being found. The other side of that promise is God will keep you safe if you are wise and do the wise thing. So here we go. Let's look at some, 
some decisions that you need to make today. Number one, here it is. This, this is profound. You ready for it? Choose a percentage of your income on which to live. That is deep. Somebody say, I know that's right, baby. Long story. We don't say amen here. By the way, somebody, I think we were, we were in the movie theater with a whole bunch of Christians last night because there were a couple of amens in the middle of the thing. And, and, uh, and, and that's cool, except, you know, if there's non-Christians there who don't know what amen means. So anyway, we won't go there today. Choose a percentage. Now, I know, I know a couple of things about every one of you who walked in here today. I, I know this without knowing all of your names, without knowing anything about your finances. I know a couple of things about you. Everybody here is living on a percentage of their income. Everyone. Second thing I know is most people here do not know what that percentage is. Some people are living on 110%. Some people are living on 105%. Some people are living on 90 Some people are living on 80 Everybody here is living on a percentage, but what we've discovered through Financial Peace University is most people don't have a clue what that percentage of their income is. And, and here's the other thing I know. If you stay right where you are, and this goes for any area of life, if you stay right where you are, you are not going to be able to go with God at the same time. You can't stay where you are and go with God at the same time. God always has a better plan. Usually it's a harder plan, but it's also a more rewarding plan than you have for your life. You cannot stay where you are financially today, knowing all the stuff that we've talked about in the past, knowing about the stuff we're going to talk about today. You cannot stay where you are and go with God at the same time. So you've got to make a decision. Now, if you do things God's way, it will lead to margin. Margin means a buffer zone. Let me just illustrate it this way. If we come over here, this line represents money. Everybody recognize that's money, right? This line here represents time. Everybody here hopes that over time your income will go up, right? Now, there may be some dips in here and all that stuff, but, but everybody has the general idea. You know, nobody goes into a new year saying, I don't want to raise. In fact, I want you to decrease the amount of money you're paying me. Anybody ever gone in and done that? No, that doesn't work. So we're going to call this our income. We hope that over time our income increases, right? Everybody say, right. Thank you. Okay, now here's the, here's the issue. This other line here, we're going to call this expenses. <laughs> Anybody's expenses gone up? Over time, do your expenses tend to go up or do they go down? Now, this is the area that we're trying to talk about. This area, the difference between your expenses and your income, you know what that's called? Margin or peace. Some of you are going, well, if it's that, I'm way down here. If you don't have peace in your life, then you are lost financially. If you don't have margin in your life, then you are lost financially. And the only way you're ever going to get out of that is to listen to what God has to say. Because people get on the bad roadmap. Do y'all remember the bad roadmap? See if y'all can help me out. Bad roadmap. What's the first thing you do with your money? Spend. Thank you. Then repay debt. Since you didn't get the first one, I'm not even going to trust you for the rest of them. Repay debt. Taxes. Savings. And giving. And we said every time you follow that roadmap, when you get down here to save, if you follow this roadmap, you do all these other things with your money first, how much money goes into your savings account? 
None. And then just by extension, if you save and then you give, how much money goes to the kingdom of God? So how much of your temporary stuff is then going to promote the kingdom of God? None. Right. So if you give leftover savings, leftover givings, if that's what you practice, there is nothing going into your savings account. And by the way, they said that the American savings um, rate is the lowest in the history of our nation. It's less than 2% that we are saving um, on average across the whole United States. And they said that we're typically living on 105 to 110% of our income. Do the math. <laughs> what happens if you've got no margin? Stress goes up. What happens if you have a lot of margin? Stress goes down. What do you fight about in your marriages or in your relationships if you have no margin? Money. If you have a lot of margin, that's a couple that never fights about money. Seems real simple to me. Which is the wise thing to do? To begin living with margin or to continue living like we're living? you got to make this decision to be wise. Now... I want you to look at this statement because I think this is a great statement. I was listening to uh, Andy Stanley. He's one of my favorite preachers, and I listen to him a lot. He said this statement, I want you to agree or disagree. And, and just read it and then say out loud. Y'all aren't following me real good today, so just say it out loud, agree or disagree. All right, here it is. It's more fun to choose. That should be the next one. There you go. It's more fun to choose what I will not own than to own what I cannot afford. Agree or disagree? Wow, we got to spend another six weeks on finances because we're not getting it. I try so hard. Now, let's just put this into practice. Let's practice this because this is a true statement. You should agree. All right, today, when you walk out of here and go to your car, However you want to put the adjectives in there to describe your car. I have a few going through my mind, but my car runs. So you go to your car and you pass some bright, shiny, new car. You say to yourself, I choose not to spend my money that way. Now, okay, let's just practice it. I choose not to spend my money that way. Ready? Go. Now you've got to be very careful here. Because you can do it with pride. I can walk by James's car and I say, I choose not to spend my money that way. That doesn't work because you're showing pride and pride goes before the fall. The Bible says that God hates the proud. He opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we're going to be up. Now, if you drive, because I mean, why, why are you going to think you're better than somebody who drives a car that's better than your car? I mean, don't look down on somebody who drives a car that's better than your car because it's better than your car. But those of you who are driving better cars than the rest of us, you watch it too. You don't say, well, at least I'm driving a better car than you're driving. Okay? We're not going to go there either. What we've got to do is we've got to start looking at what we do have, be thankful for what we do have, and plan for the future. And, and if you come to Financial Peace University, you'll hear Dave over and over say, you don't deserve jack. Because a lot of people will say, well, I've been working so hard. I deserve to go out to eat tonight. I deserve a new car. I deserve... When you have cash, you deserve it. You got enough cash to go get that car, you deserve it. You got enough cash to go get that TV, then you deserve it. So we're not going to look down on anybody else. We're just going to practice saying, I choose not to spend my money that way. Don't do that. I can't afford it. That's not positive. Just say, I'm choosing right now not to spend my money that way. Now, here's the deal. I've never, ever 
heard a couple say, you know, the problem in our marriage is we just don't spend enough money. Never heard that one in, in marriage counseling. Um, you hear the opposite. All we do is spend, and I'm sick of the, the, the calls from the creditors. I'm sick of the pressure. So choose. And, and wouldn't you rather choose the percentage rather than have somebody else choose it for you? I mean, that just makes sense to me. All right, let's look at the second thing. We're going to choose a percentage. Second, second we're going to set a spending plan. How many of you think the word budget is like a dirty word? Let me see your hands. Budget, dirty word. It's all the free spirits in the room. That's another Dave Ramsey term. We, in my small group on Sunday nights, we decided we're not going to call it the, the, the budget. We're going to call it a spending plan. And all we're doing is we're deciding on paper before the money ever comes in, we're going to spend every dollar. And that, that includes everything that goes into savings and giving. We're going to spend that on paper before the, the money ever comes in. Because if you have ever sat around at the end of the month and gone, where'd the money go? I don't know. Because I'm willing to bet you don't realize how much money you spend on Cokes or how much money you spend on gas or how much money you spend on little incidentals throughout the week and then you add that up over time, it ends up being a whole lot of money. Janie and I have just finished our gazelle budget plan. Now, there was a quickie budget we did, the gazelle budget plan. And just think of it this way. A, a gazelle who's being chased by a lion, how intense is that gazelle on getting away? On finding the path to get away from that hungry lion? Very intense. So that's what we're doing in financial peace. We're trying to get very intense. Janie and I have just become very intense on, on getting out of any of the remaining debt that we have. The only thing we'll have left is the house and we'll, we'll set, uh, pay off our house in, in six years if we just follow our plan. Um, and so as God blesses us, we'll, we'll pay off the house even quicker. We want to be totally free so that we're not walking around with that bondage that Wes talked about just a second ago. Now, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Would you, if you were to come into $250,000, you walk out today, you win the lottery. I don't play the lottery, so it's going to be an act of God if I ever win the lottery. But let's say I go out, I find a ticket, you find a ticket, and it's worth a quarter of a million dollars. Would you trust a financial planner that has the same financial habits you do to handle your quarter of a million dollars? No, some people, no, I'm going to get somebody smart, you know, to handle my money. Well, just think of this. This is where, you know, kind of the, the, the rubber meets the road. Because if you make only $25,000 a year, because a lot of times I hear people say, you just don't understand, I don't make any money. You make $25,000 a year for 10 years. How much money is that? $250,000. If you follow this roadmap, you will be lost. And at the end of 10 years, you'll say, where did it go? And you'd pile up the taxes. Go back and look at your past tax returns. Look at what you put down for an income and then ask yourself, what do I have to show for all of that money? $250,000. If you do God's plan, which is flip this, it's complete opposite. You give first, you save, pay taxes, repay debt, and then you live on the rest. If you do that, after 10 years, you will have given $25,000 to the kingdom of God. That's some temporary that you've exchanged for eternal, and you would have $25,000 in your savings account. Anybody here not want to have twenty-five grand in their savings account? But if you continue on the path you're on, I'm willing to bet in 10 years, your savings account looks no different than it does today. 
I'm just, I'm just applying the principles to most people that I know. You get through 10 years and you say, where did it all go? It's because we didn't make plans ahead of time. Now, number three. So we're going to choose a percentage. We're going to set a spending plan. Number three, here's another decision you need to make. Pay your stupid tax. Do you know what stupid tax is? If you listen to Dave Ramsey, you know what stupid tax is. Stupid tax is basically unsecured debt. Or stupid tax is anything that we are paying money on. We have these monthly installments where the thing that we bought is less, is worth less than what we owe on it. Just say, oh, cause, cause you, you know what you've done with that. Cars and, and, and TVs and, and ATVs and boats and, um, Jet skis and all of these things. They're worth less now. So this is unsecured debt. Last Sunday night at FPU, there were 24 family units. And I say that because anybody in a family can attend at the same time. So we had 40-something people here last Sunday night. And just one of the questions we asked was, how much unsecured debt do you have? Unsecured debt, credit cards, uh, anything really, student loans, anything that, that the bank could not come and repossess, whatever it is that you have. And even if you have a, a car that's repossessed, you know, you, you may still owe more on it than what it's worth and what they can get out of it. But so anything that is unsecured, and we added up the numbers and we found out that that was um, $375,000 in unsecured debt just in those 24 family units that we had here. And that is with at least two of those family units having zero unsecured debt. And so we just did, we divided it by the 24 units and that ended up being $15,000, $15,500 per family unit that, that we averaged owing in unsecured debt. Now, secured debt would be like the house. And in some instances, people had twice the amount of unsecured debt that they still owe on their house. That's jacked up. They didn't get there following God's plan. They didn't get lost going this way on the map. They got lost going this way on the map. And we found out that we owe about 55, on average, we owe about $55,000 for our homes in that, in that 24 family units. Again, that's with two family units having their houses paid off. So you see that <laughs> we, we're not so smart financially in America. Because credit and, and money is just way too easy to come by. And so we waste it. Um, Proverbs 22.7 says this, and this is what we tried to portray with Wes and, and the new credit fairy. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. If you've ever had to pay back a bunch of money on something that you no longer own, you understand what that is. Or if you if you owe more on your car than what it's worth and what you could get, and, and you know what... What you do when you go back to the new car dealer, you know what they'll do. Oh, we'll just roll that in. You can get 5000 for your trade-in, but you owe 9000 Let's just roll it in. I know. I'm sorry, Bruce. Bruce is a car dealer, and, and I love Bruce, and, and I'm, I'm sorry. I saw you right as I started into that, that little tirade right there. I'm sorry, Bruce. Um <laughs> I don't mean, well, we'll, we'll find some other trade secrets and we'll, we'll, we'll try to spread it out. So over the next few weeks, uh, whatever your job is, we'll try to give the trade secrets so that we make it equal because, because we do love Bruce and Bruce needs to make a living. <laughs> Bruce gives to our church. And so the more Bruce makes, the more our church makes. So, um, moving on. Paying your stupid tax needs to be as quickly as you possibly can. Um, 
And, and I'm just going to let you in on this. When you decide to pay your stupid tax, which is debt, God is going to honor you in ways that you don't even see. What is really cool to me is I'm hearing stories from the couples that are going through financial peace and they've gotten this, this gazelle intensity and they're starting to find money and apply money and they're saying, oh man, in, in six months, in nine months, in 29 months, we will be debt free. And then you have that chunk of change that was going towards your debt that you can do. Cause, oh man, it's freedom. And it's so cool to hear our young couples getting on a plan. And, and if you are single, the faster you can get on one of these plans, if you're young, you've got so much time ahead of you. Everyone here that's over 40, do you wish you had applied these principles sooner? Let me hear you. <laughs> There's not a one of us here that's over 40 that would tell you, wait till you're my age to start doing things God's way. Nobody's going to tell you that because we are living proof that stupidity does not work. All right? So trust us when we tell you that. Now, here's what we want you to do. A lot of you are really, really afraid of people knowing how much debt that you have. And, and we're not going to flash numbers up here and parade you across the stage. That's not what I'm, I'm talking about. But you're really afraid for anybody to know how much stupid tax you owe. That's what Dave calls it. He said stupid tax. And he's talked about his stupid tax. He was a millionaire in his mid-twenties, lost everything. Lost everything. So he talks about his stupid tax from, from a, a large base of knowledge. He has a lot of stupid tax that he paid. Um, but here's what everybody knows. Your bank knows exactly how much you owe. And they don't care about you. And, and I'm not saying, you know, that there's predatory things there. I'm on banks. Sorry, Brad. Um, killing you, yeah. Um, but, but here's what I mean. You call the bank and you ask the bank if they will have some mercy on you if you're past due on something. First thing they're going to say is, what is your account number? Because it doesn't even matter if I call them and say, hey, I'm Doug Washburn and da da da. What is your account number? I'm a number to them. You are a number to them. And they know to the penny how much you owe. They know what your debt is. Your credit card companies know what your debt is. Just call them and see what kind of friendly relationship you have with them. See if they'll reduce the principal on your loan. Just call them and ask them. Because if they think they're not going to get a dime from you, that, that might work. But in most cases, they're going to say, no, we got a contract. And in most cases, they do not want you to pay off your debt. Why? It's money. Interest working against you is your worst enemy. Interest working for you is your greatest uh, advocate. You're, you, you gain money when interest is working for you. And so the, 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 the banks already know, the credit card companies already know, and in some cases the, uh, the, loan, the, the collection agencies already know what your debt is. Here's the thing. If you'll get involved in a group like Financial Peace, and, and if you think it's too late, that's great. We're going to have another one. And somebody, I don't even know who, somebody in our current group is going to step up and say, you know, that made such a difference in my life. I want to lead another group. And we'll, we'll do that as soon as we get some folks that are interested in, in going through it. But here's what, what will happen. If you'll come and you'll get with a group of people that you trust and you'll go public with your debt, it helps you get focused on how to get out of debt. There are people that will celebrate with you and there are people that will challenge you if you start to make something, some stupid decision and add to your stupid tax. There's a group of people that will go, is that the wise thing to do? I mean, my family uses it all the time with me. And if you know anything about my past, I need someone asking me because I'm about to do something. Is that the wise thing? No, shut up. And, and 
You need somebody doing that. But, but here's, here's where I want you to realize this. If you had gone public with your thoughts about debt five years ago, ten years ago, with a group of Christians who would tell you in love that you're stupid, I'm willing to bet you would not be in the financial crisis you're in today. Does that make sense? Might as well go public. Somebody already knows. Why not get a group of people who want to see you succeed and let them know? Because um, some of you, I know this about you, when you're making dumb financial decisions, you disappear. This is, this is happened. I won't name names. You disappear. And like, you know, you won't answer your cell phone. And then... You don't have to. You don't have to admit this because when when we finally find out what's happened, you've been in Tyler, looking at new cars or timeshares or new toys, or and you come back and you're so proud of it, and I'm excited because I'm going to get to use your new stuff that you're paying for. I'm woo! But if you had told somebody, that's why you didn't tell anybody because you knew it was a bad decision. And you were just going to go try to make the numbers work and you were going to ask, what can I afford? Not what should I afford? Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're willing to, to follow God's roadmap, then today you need to arrange your finances. This is number four in your listening guide. So that you give first, save second, and live on the rest. You're going to decide today, I hope, you're going to decide today to live on a percentage of your income. You're going to decide that you need a spending plan because you actually don't know where your money's going, so it'd be better to tell it where to go than wonder where it went. And then you're going to pay your stupid tax. If you get into FPU, these are the baby steps. Baby step one is $1,000 in emergency fund. Baby step two is to pay off debt. Baby step three is three to six months living expenses. You add up your living expenses right now, and you just multiply that number and think if you had that number in your savings account and you had that number of margin, how many fights would you have financially? How many money fights would you have in your home? Zero. Because then when an emergency comes up, and an emergency is anything that you can't afford. You got zero margin and you, you need new tires? That's an emergency. And what do we tend to do? Pull out the plastic. Because it's an emergency. All right, Jenny said her group, her small group, they're going to have a cutting up your credit card ceremony. I think that's a great ceremony. We need to get that on video. Um, because we're tired of doing things the way the world says to do things. Now, I just want to let you in a little secret as we finish this up. If you reverse this, if you give first, save second, pay your taxes, repay debt, and then live on the rest, you will never, ever get lost financially does not happen. God blesses those who obey Him. And, and let me just say this. Blessing always comes after obedience. Always comes after obedience. What that means is God doesn't bless you while you're doing things completely opposite of what He tells you to do. God says, if you will humble yourself and start doing things my way, I will bless you. Start obeying today and God will bless you. I want us to uh, pray together and, and we'll be dismissed. And I just want you to think about, are you ready to follow God's plan? God's roadmap. Several of you said it last week, but today's where, where we're really going to find out.